0: Hey guys, welcome back to the Japan Archives, bonus episode eight now. We seem to be doing more and more bonus episodes as we find more interesting things to do, I think, Heather. But how are you doing today? How's the weather?
1: <laughs> My default answer to that always is it's sunny because of elementary lessons. But which I think is probably incorrect, but I am not. I'm feeling wonderful, so Tsuburashi Kimochi, I guess, might be better. It's not sunny, but it's nice. How about you?
0: (laughs) It's the same here. Not sunny, but nice. Although it is a bit cold, but eh, it is what it is. Mm. But yeah, part of that, I'm doing pretty good. But today we are going to do a myth known as Imaro and the Wani. We're going to go back to the Izumo Fudoki today, which we have mentioned before. Oh, I think it was episode nine, way long ago now. Um, We talked about the origins of Izumo province, but in that document, there was also a short, very short myth called Imaro and the Wani. And I wanted to talk about that one today. But before I do that, I suppose when we originally mentioned this document, we never talked about who actually made it. So I quickly wanted to talk about the two men who wrote this document all those years ago. So we have two people for this document. The first one being called Miyake-no-Omi Kanatari, and the other man being Izumo-no-Omi Hiroshima. Oh, Hiroshima. From what I can tell, for Kanatari and Hiroshima, they were their personal names but the part preceding the Miyake no Omi and the Izumo no Omi were more of a title of rank so the Omi was like a hereditary rank of power and the word coming before it was the place in which they held their power so the Izumo no Omi were the leaders of Izumo province and the Miyake no Omi were leaders of Miyake so what their actual family names were I'm not too sure, unless their family names were, in fact, their rank title, I suppose. Mm -hmm. For Kanatari, from how the Izumo Fudoki has been written, it's quite easy to assume that he was well-versed in classical Chinese literature. But the only other thing we actually know is that, obviously, he compiled this document, but also that he was from a district known as Aika. For Hiroshima, we have similar information, but the only other extra thing that we do know was that he was the district leader of one of the small areas of Izumo Province, and that he also held the title of Kunino Miyasuko, again for Izumo Province. From what I was reading about this title, it's unknown like what the authority and obligations of this specific job entailed, but it does seem plausible that it was a job which held a lot of political power of some kind. So, interestingly enough, we know what his job was, but we're not too sure what the job entailed itself. So that's all, I'm, all I can say, really, about the authors of this document, and so I'm gonna get into the short tale for today. So long, long ago, Mukashi Mukashi, in the province of Izumo, there was a woman walking along one of the many beautiful beaches of the province, but this particular day would seal her fate as there was a particular creature, known as the Wani, on the beach that day. The Wani saw her coming and waited, and he waited until she was close enough to attack, and then he pulled her into the ocean and ate her. That day, her father waits and waits for her to return home. After all, she had always returned home safely from her walks before, so why should today have been any different? But of course, she never returned home. Her father became filled with rage and asked the gods of Izumo to come to his aid. His daughter had to be avenged. And they listened to him and they heard his prayers. And they decided to answer them. Upon the beach, he saw 100 Wani appear before him, all encircling one in in their particular group. No doubt this was the guilty one, Emaro surmised. And so these 100 Wani brought this murderer to him so that justice could be served. Imaro slaughtered this killer, opening up the body to find the shin of a woman inside of its stomach. No doubt that of his murdered daughter. And so, having finished his work, he felt his daughter had been suitably avenged. And like I said, that was a very short myth in this document. There are others in the Izumo Fudoki, but sadly none of them are complete. This is the only other complete one. But yes, it is rather short. So. Anything to say about the story, Heather? Like I said, I know it was short. I feel like a broken record now. But (laughs) I thought it was a pretty cool one to say, to tell today. Because I've yet to find any, like, books on fairy tales and myths that tell it. I found it in a random journal article from JSTOR. So, yeah, I wanted to tell it today.
1: Well, I do have a question about Wani. Because Wani are crocodiles, and to to my Knowledge. I might be wrong, but to my to my knowledge, there are are there crocodiles in Japan. I didn't think that there were. Why? Why wani?
0: You are correct in that modern day Japanese wani does mean crocodile, but of course, in Japanese, there is a lot of different kanji which Hmm. can be pronounced the same way. So the modern day crocodile uses a different kanji to the Uh, wani in
1: the story. This story, Hmm.
0: due to the different kanji the fact that back then it's unlikely that crocodiles actually were in japan it's unlikely that it would have been a crocodile at all Hmm. to add to the difficulty in actually translating this word we have to look again into the izumo fudoki itself now throughout the entire document i read that all of the places all of the creatures all of the people when they were mentioned, they also attempted to describe what they actually were. However, in the case of the Wani, they don't do this. So again, it leaves some kind of mystery as to what these creatures particularly were. And so if I'm honest, it's kind of a creature that's left to interpretation. We know it's Mm -hmm. obviously a sea creature of some kind. There are those which do think it could probably have been an early way of describing a killer whale. As they are known to have thrown themselves onto beaches so they could catch things such as seals. So it's plausible that that was what happened. But my personal feeling on this is perhaps it was a... They needed a name for the story and so they picked Wani. There are other people who tried to translate it and all they've come up with is something like sea monster, sea Mm. creature... So again, they haven't been able to translate it. So I think perhaps they created this word as a generic description for a creature that was needed for the myth. And they gave no explanation to it because there wasn't one. They'd invented it purely for the story.
1: How old is this particular story? Do we have an approximate date?
0: So as to how old the specific story is, I don't think we can be too sure. It probably, well... If it was invented specifically for this document, then it would date back to 713 AD. But if it was a story that was collected in this and predates it, then we can't be too sure how old it is because this is the oldest reference we have for it. But yeah, the Izumo Fudoki, in fact, all Fudoki at the time were started to be made around 713 AD because the government at the time needed, well, They asked for a record of all the different provinces of Japan and some provinces, in addition to giving a record of their districts, their populations, what they have, their buildings, their temples, they endeavored to give mythological backgrounds to their areas to almost increase their prestige, which is why things such as the land pulling myth from episode nine, as well as Imaru and the Wani were included in these documents.
1: Hmm. Yeah makes sense almost like an early form of um like advertising the different features of this particular region
0: like a travel book come to come to izumo we have sea creatures that will kill you on the beach
1: i don't think that would invite me i think no i think it would
0: put me off going
1: but it was their intent you don't want to come here you know we we have wani it's it's just not you know like Beautiful just keep your distance. Area, but, don't come yeah. here.
0: Visit everywhere else.
1: Huh. That's, yeah, that's a really it's an interesting story because it definitely has like a it's it's not a happy ending per se at all. And it, but it does have a definite ending point. So sometimes with some stories they're upbeat or sometimes I've I've read some stories that just kind of end, but don't feel like they have a definitive ending point. But this is very much it's like a revenge story, I guess. Yeah. I'm glad you found that story. It was really, it's really interesting, especially the the usage of, of wani, not being particularly crocodile, but being something that we're not quite sure.
0: Hmm. And also new
1: kanji, really old kanji that I doubt we'll use now, but it's it's interesting. I'm, I'm looking at the notes here and I see the kanji you put. And um, do we have the kanji for the, the wani, not wani, the sea creature wani versus the crocodile wani?
0: Sorry, yeah, you were looking at the kanji for the modern-day wani, and I forgot to put the kanji for the secreture wani in the show notes. So I'm just going to send you the kanji now for you to have a quick look at. Very diff Well, for a start, the modern-day wani is one singular kanji, but this one is two different kanji.
1: That is a lot of strokes in those kanji. Yeah, they're definitely different. Huh. Glad don't need to memorize that one
0: <laughs> yeah i'm glad they're not kanji you need for today but you probably still use them today but not to describe a sea creature
1: well thomas thank you for that story and for some of the for the kanji lesson as
0: well i really enjoyed that you're welcome i'm sorry it's so short but it's ah. a story that i wanted to tell because you don't really find it in books published about japan
1: hey Sometimes short is fantastic. Short, sweet, go on with your day, learn something new. Hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah, I like that great. idea. Hmm. Hmm. So I know we do book recommendations sometime, and you did a film recommendation that one time. I did. Uh, so if people are interested in more of a academic-type journal for where I found this myth, as well as where as we got the land-pulling myth from episode 9 i got this article on jstor and it's called the land pulling myth and some aspects of historic reality and it is by anders Kalkvist. so yeah if you're interested in reading it for yourself check it out on jstor and you'll find it on there for your reading pleasure but with my story out the way that is me done for today i'm looking forward to this friday finishing off the blossoms um anything from you today heather
1: Nope. For this bonus, just like you said, we're going to keep it short and sweet. Thank you, Thomas.
0: All right, then. Well, guys, thank you for listening today, and we'll see you all on Friday. Matane.
1: ne! Matane